Welcome to Communication Matters, the NCA podcast. I'm Trevor Perry Giles, the Executive Director of the National Communication Association. The National Communication Association is the preeminent scholarly association devoted to the study and teaching of communication. Founded in 1914, NCA is a thriving group of thousands from across the nation and around the world who are committed to a collective mission to advance communication as an academic discipline. In keeping with NCA's mission to advance the discipline of communication, NCA has developed this podcast series to expand the reach of our member scholars' work and perspectives. This is Communication Matters, the NCA podcast. Welcome back to Communication Matters, the NCA podcast. Regular listeners of this podcast will recall that episode five of Communication Matters addressed the public humanities with our discussion featuring our friends at the National Humanities Alliance. Today, we'll be continuing our discussion about the role of the humanities in public life with a focus on the American Academy of Arts and Sciences, or AAAS, Humanities Indicators Project. Robert B. Townsend, the director of the Humanities Indicators Project and director of the AAAS Washington office, joins me for a conversation about the latest humanities indicators and some of the trends in the humanities and in communication especially. First, a bit about Dr. Townsend. Prior to joining AAAS, Rob Townsend spent 24 years working in a variety of capacities for the American Historical Association. Dr. Townsend has authored more than 200 articles on various aspects of history, higher education, and electronic publishing, and is the author of the book, History's Babel, Scholarship, Professionalization, and the Historical Enterprise in the United States. Now, the Humanities Indicators Project are developed from existing data sets and from the Humanities Departmental Survey administered by AAAS to about 1,400 four-year college and university humanities departments. The departmental survey was first administered in 2008 and collected data on the 2007-2008 academic year. That first survey did not include the communication discipline. We were included in the second survey conducted from 2012 to 2013. And today, Dr. Townsend will be discussing the newly released results of the third humanities departmental survey. Hey, welcome to the podcast, Rob. I'm glad you could join me today. Thanks, Trevor. Great to be here. To start, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about the Humanities Indicators Project and what it's all about and why we engage in this collection of indicators? You know, the origins of the, the indicators goes back to the late 90s when the first notion of STEM started to develop and the leaders of the academy noticed that the science folks were using federally mandated science and engineering indicators, which is a large data set that the National Science Foundation collects. And they were I think the language used at the time was that they were eating our lunch because they had more information about the health of their fields and what the status and the trend lines were for those fields. So they decided that we should get into that as well. And so the Academy developed, originally it was conceived of as a pilot for the National Endowment for the Humanities. We would develop this data set and that hopefully the NEH would, would take it up. And so we first published the pilot online in 2009. I think at the time the NEH said they uh, did not want to receive that gift. And so we, uh, the Academy found funding from the Mellon Foundation to keep it going. So we're, we're still doing this as a, a running enterprise and we're updating it on an ongoing basis as new data comes out. So what kind of value do you think 
all of these indicators have for researchers, for policymakers, scholarly associations like NCA? Is there some lesson from science and engineering, for example, that we can call from about the value of these data? Well, I mean, in a lot of cases, the data helps disprove myths and people's expectations. In, in other cases, it proves what people fear. I mean, certainly communication is sort of an exception. But when we look at the Greetens for a lot of the other humanities disciplines, we see clear declines in the past, really since the Great Recession. And so on that measure, we, we certainly see some evidence that validates the concerns that we hear from a lot of departments. But at the same time, you know, we look at other metrics such as you know, liberal arts degrees awarded in community colleges or trends in people visiting historic sites and museums, those sorts of things. And those look more positive. So it it at least allows us to provide a more grounded conversation about the health of the humanities than I think that existed prior to the existence of the indicators. So along with curating existing data that's already out in the world or that's produced by other folks. You also conduct your own survey, the Humanities Departmental Survey. And I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how that survey was developed and how the questions evolved. And from my particular vantage point, I'm interested in how you've generated the new disciplines that you've added over the roughly 10, 11, 12 years that you've been doing this. Yeah, I mean, originally we developed it because the federal government stopped gathering data about faculty. And so we saw that as a really key component of the sort of information we need, we need to know. We need to understand how many part-time faculty there are compared to the number of full-time faculty. And so being able to just track that seemed really key to us. So at the time, I was still working for the American Historical Association and the Academy. I worked with the Academy. Basically, we took the department survey that I had been doing for the American Historical Association for many years and simply expanded that to try and provide some basic benchmarking data about students and faculty. And so that was the first iteration of the survey, which, as you said, we did in 2008, and we included only eight disciplines at that time. You know, so we we asked those sort of basic questions with that first one. And then in 2012, we started looking around. We wanted to do some more. we wanted to include some more disciplines. And and obviously, communication was one that, thanks to the pressure from certain <laughs> members of the staff at the National Communication Association, pointing out that we really needed to include communication as an important aspect of the humanities, we included it in that survey. And we also expanded the survey questions to try and address some emerging questions for the field, such as, say, digital humanities or career-oriented sorts of challenges and problems for the field. So, We did that in 2012, so that was when we first included communication. And then when we came back around, the Mellon Foundation encouraged us to to take another run at it. And so we've now got 10 years worth of data for some fields and uh, now five years of some comparative data for communication that we can look at as well. So that's what the third iteration is able to tell us. So how many responses did you get from communication departments this particular go around? So we, we, so this, this is, we, we based this on a sample. So it was a sample of 141 departments, communication departments that, you know, were designed to provide a, a representative slice of different degree levels, different types of Carnegie institutions. So that was how we developed it. And we had a 59% response rate, which was good, but not quite as good as we, we would have hoped. And so as you'll see in some of the data points, there's enough standard error in the results of our estimates to just produce some flags for, you know, cautions about interpreting it just because of the that range, that margin of error got to be a little large, which is interesting in of itself because it suggests that, you know, some, some of these departments 
<laughs> sort of represent one extreme and some represent the other. From our perspective as a discipline, of course, one of the key findings from the 2013 departmental survey was that communication had the largest number of conferred degrees amongst the disciplines surveyed in the departmental survey for 2011 and 2012, and there was like 59,810 degrees conferred amongst the sample departments, average of about 78 per department. I'm wondering, has that changed in the most recent survey? And what does that tell us, or does it tell us anything, or should we take any lessons there about the popularity of communication and what that might say about the state of the humanities more broadly? Well, the estimate, the estimated number is down slightly. So the average is 73 per department. But when you, know, when you, you take that margin of error into account, we don't see a statistically significant change. So the upper range is higher than 78. The lower range is right about where it is. So from that perspective, we don't see a statistically significant change. And it's still <laughs> awarding the largest number of degrees in the humanities departments we surveyed by a, a very wide margin. And I looked at how many institutions are awarding degrees in different disciplines over time. And communication is really the only humanities discipline that we looked at where there was a clear increase in the number of institutions that were awarding degrees mm. in the subject. So it's a 5% increase from 2012 to 2017, which stood out. I mean, most of the others had seen a, at least a, a slight decline. English saw a tiny, tiny increase. I mean, it was, mm. <laughs> it was almost zero. It was basically a rounding error. But so communication was really fascinating just as a, an interesting sort of point of comparison. It's useful to note that the way that the survey and AAAS defines communication is to specifically, as I recall, exclude sort of pre-professional programs in communications. We're going for the sort of mainstream bonafide communication department at normal colleges and universities. Is that, is that right? As opposed to, say, specialized, I don't know, journalism programs or... Yes public relations programs, that kind of thing. Yes. So we only basically survey communication programs as right. part of this. If they happen to have a journalism program within that, and, right. and that is one of the questions we ask. I mean, communication stands out because it has an unusually large number of journalism and those sorts of programs contained right. within the communication program. And we didn't ask the departments to exclude those from the, the survey responses. We simply didn't survey journalism programs specifically. Those Right, right. Do you think there are any lessons about the fact that communication has maintained a certain popularity for the state of the humanities when we know that so many other of the humanities are seeing declines in majors and conferred degrees. I'm wondering, I don't know, I'm speculating here, spitballing, right? Are there any lessons to be drawn there about the humanities generally? Well, I mean, my theory, and I say this as a parent of two English majors and one communication major, Yay. is that it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's partially just a function of, there's a perception of a clear trajectory into the job market from communication than there is from a lot of the other disciplines. And so I think that has certainly, it allows a student to engage in humanity sorts of practices and, and studies and subjects with that reassurance, I think. I'm interested in how that question about career readiness folds back perhaps on the data that you all collect about assessments and the determination of how students actually see their department and whether or not departments are effective. Looking at how well a class of students does according to specific measures, in the 2013 survey, 90% of communication departments were measuring learning outcomes using some mechanism of assessment. And we were second 
has a discipline amongst all those that were surveyed. As that rate of assessments increased, I'm wondering why it is that there's disparity with assessments. I'm always assuming that higher administrations are telling departments, regardless of who they are, that they have to engage in these assessments. So I'm wondering about that disparity and if you think there's any value to these regular assessments for learning, for teaching, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it probably says something that we we changed that question this year, and in large measure because a number of the other humanities departments didn't understand what that question meant. <laughs> so for this year, we we asked a narrower question, which was simply, do you have benchmark practices for your majors? Do you require a paper or a, a thesis or a test before they finish? And communication stood out for having a relatively small share of people of departments that said they were doing some some form of benchmarking. I mean, it's still 65% of the departments said they did some form of benchmarking, mm-hmm. but that compares to you know 71%. So, I mean, it's a small difference. Mm-hmm. But also striking was that a very large share said, I mean, whereas like history, most of them said they required a paper or a thesis. In communication, half of the respondents said that they used some other form of testing. So, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. that's a question you and I, I think, need to revisit just to figure Mm -hmm. out, like, how do we get a a question? And I think anthropology was in a similar sort Mm -hmm. of position that that clearly there's there's some language gap between the older humanities. Communication goes back to rhetoric. We could say it's the (laughs) oldest, but... uh, It is the oldest. (laughs) Yes, there we go. But some of the, shall we say, the fustier and crustier uh, humanities departments uh, in terms of their means of assessment relative to those that are more you know, on the cusp of other disciplines and practices. I think that would be a a good way of thinking about it. That's interesting. I do want to ask you, too, about a particularly timely question that emerged from the departmental survey and the humanities departmental survey, and that has to do with online teaching. And I think there's a lot of fear out there in the higher education sector overall that all of this coronavirus pandemic drama will result in a huge spike in online teaching and administrators are going to see that they can just have people teach online and it's cheaper and yada, yada, yada. I'm wondering if there are any lessons from the departmental survey. We know that 30% of communication departments had one or more faculty members who either specialized in the digital humanities, which is kind of a different thing, but they also report that communication departments had the largest share of departments that were offering online courses, which is sort of an interesting development. I'm wondering if you could comment on any of the trends that you've seen in in online education with these surveys and what that might tell us about our current state of things. Well, no, I mean, that was one of the data points. And I actually shared this with Inside Higher Ed earlier, just because I felt like it was something people need to understand. And that that was that, you know, 70% of the humanities departments in our survey didn't have even one, weren't were teaching even one online course as we, we went into this, I mean, based on our, our data. And that was essentially unchanged from the data from 2012. So that really speaks to how high a climb there is for a lot of these departments. If they're not even teaching a single course, the amount of experience and practice that they have with that sort of thing is really quite striking. And I think that's probably going to be a story that we need to explore considerably more as we we go into this. Communication, again, stood out in that 41% of the departments said that they were teaching an online course compared to 30% of the other responding disciplines. Mm. So I think that it is a potentially interesting area of, of further study. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd certainly like to, to look at it. On the subject of digital humanities, I mean, I did find it interesting that 
30% of the communication department said they had a specialist in the field, but only 21% reported they had guidelines for evaluating digital publications for promotion and tenure. So that was another data point that I, and mind you, you know, every one of the disciplines we looked at has that sort of 10 to 15 percentage point gap between the share of faculty and the share of T&P evaluation guidelines. And I think that there again, it's another sort of interesting data point, I, I think, is worthy of further discussion and, and exploration. Yeah, I think so, too. And I'm wondering, too, if there's a gap maybe between how do departments view digital humanities work mm-hmm. and digital publications? You know, because you talk about a digital publication and that suddenly sounds kind of creepy and unpeer reviewed. But if you're talking about digital humanities work, you know, that could be an interesting other dimension to how it is the digital humanities are influencing tenure and promotion dynamics. I don't know. I'm just well, and I also wonder just how much, I mean, we saw this with public humanities some, some years ago where there were 20 years ago in, in history, for instance, every department felt like they needed to have one public historian right. so that the rest of the faculty could ignore it and, and leave that to the person that they'd hired. And right. I do wonder that to some extent whether we, we aren't seeing a similar trend in, with the digital humanities as well. Another outgrowth, I think, of this COVID pandemic is some very real concern by graduate students about the job market, about the prospects for higher education generally in the next five, 10 years. And, you know, those pressures existed prior to the pandemic. They're now amplified, I think, pretty high. The 2013 survey had communication as the third most popular of the graduate offerings in the surveys with about 14,000 graduate students across the departments. And that's exciting. From our standpoint, 72% of those students reported receiving uh, full financial support. Or actually, the students report didn't report it, but the departments said that they funded their graduate students fully. Do- doctoral students. Doctoral students. And that's a third overall of the humanities programs. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about what the new survey might tell us about graduate student support, the factors affecting the level of support, that kind of thing. I mean, one of the things that concerns me about this report at the moment is just whether it's going to look like a snapshot from a different era. Mm -hmm. To that extent, we've captured a moment in time and that's, that's what we've got to report. I mean, we did see an increase. I mean, we couldn't calculate as a statistically significant increase, but the, the estimate is that there were over 17,000 communication graduate students as of 2017, which was an average of 57 per department that awards graduate degrees. So that's a, it, it certainly, the, the estimate is certainly up from what it was the last time. And the share of doctoral students was basically the same in terms of full support. It was about 79% this time that said they had full support, which was pretty much the average relative to the other fields in terms of support. I think the question going forward is just where <laughs> where that goes. I mean, the, uh-huh. the reports I'm hearing from colleges and universities around the country, just in terms of their financial situations, sound really, really grim. I was uh-huh. talking to a, a dean the other day who's, he was saying that, you know, he's, he's worried that 10 to 20% of the students at their university might not come back. Right. I mean, that's the pre-existing students and they're expecting an even bigger drop in admissions potentially just because students either feel, don't feel supported by their Right. the experience of online or they're just concerned about making a move and then having to move back again. Right. I mean, it's uh, when you think about the financial implications of that, it's really 
really quite terrifying yeah. for, for those of us who, who care about the health of our disciplines. Well, and, you know, you have to begin to wonder to what extent states and state governments, at least in the public education sector, are going to have to step up and, you know, really provide some buttressing to their state universities. But again, you're right, that's off topic. I know a lot of communication departments returning to graduate students are concerned as well, because many communication graduate students are international students or temporary visa holders. And the extent to which that constricts as a result of the pandemic can really have an impact on a lot of communication departments as well. There's another trend in higher education that I wanted to mention that emerged from the departmental survey, and that's the increasing number of adjunct or part-time faculty. I know that in the 2013 survey, it found that there were nearly as many neither tenured nor tenure-track part-time faculty as there were tenured faculty members in communication. In other words, we're about 50-50, as I recall, and that places us maybe at the top of the disciplines that you survey in terms of, of that dynamic. Have those statistics changed at all since 2013? And, you know, what does that tell us about larger trends in the humanities, specifically academy overall, et cetera? I mean, one of the striking things about our survey now, I mean, this is given that this is 10 years of data, is, is how little change there has been in these percentages across all the humanities in these four-year colleges, college and university departments. So to the extent I go to meetings regularly and, and I hear people say, all the tenure, tenure track lines are being replaced by adjuncts. I mean, our data Not simply true. doesn't show that. Mind you, the communication stands out for that 50-50 split. Most of the, the other humanities disciplines at four-year colleges and universities, it's closer to a 60-40 split or higher. And so to the extent that it's, kind of a category difference with communication, I'm not sure. I mean, because, I mean, we do see higher percentages of adjunct faculty in disciplines that have a high reliance on practitioners mm -hmm. to service as teaching faculty. So, I mean, mm -hmm. people like me who are, you know, teaching, have a full-time job and are teaching a course on the side, as opposed to the sort of more common conception of what an adjunct is, is the freeway flyer who's trying to string together five jobs. And right. that, you know, that's sort of something that we, we can't quite piece, you know, get down to that level to get a better understanding of that. That actually was the sort of data that we got out of the, the federal survey that we really miss because yeah. uh, that being able to discern how many people are really abused adjuncts as opposed mm -hmm. to people who are simply people who are, you know, avocational faculty, I think is a really important aspect of this whole question that we really need to get a better handle on. I think. Right. Because I think in COM, at least, we've always assumed that it's more the latter than the former. And that one of the driving forces here is because often on many colleges and university campuses, we're offering a general education requirement, something along the lines of a public speaking or a hybrid course, introductory course to communication. And those can often be taught very successfully by the type of part-time practitioner sorts of adjuncts that you refer to and not the abused adjunct faculty members stringing together five different courses at five different universities around the Beltway. So yeah, I'm wondering, it, it is a shame that we can't tease that out a little bit more. It sounds to me, Rob, and maybe you might disagree with this, but this adjunct question is sort of half empty, half full. In other words, some disciplines do confront this, and this is an ongoing concern, but it's not really changing. 
that much. Yeah, I mean, we're not we're not seeing clear evidence of, of change. I think the the real question is, I mean, in part, where the PhDs. In most cases, we saw a drop of of thirty percent or more in terms of number of academic jobs following the recession to where we are now, and the number of PhDs in most of the humanities disciplines have sort of been clicking along at the the same level all along. Is sort of where those PhDs are finding work. I think would be a really useful question. And in some ways, I think I mean there's some evidence. I think that there more of them are finding jobs in community colleges, which means right. they're more likely to be adjuncts. It tends to be a, the the inverse percentage of full-time versus part-time faculty at community colleges. Mm-hmm. And since we we weren't able to survey them because you know they don't have departments in the same way, that sort of thing, I think that's an understudied area to the extent that that's now serving, you know, they're simply raising their standards where they used to hire a master's, now they're hiring PhDs. That I think is is an important question that we need to, to study a little bit more. Because certainly, yeah. you know, the national trends across the board show an increase in the share of adjunct faculty. But the fact that we're not seeing it in Humanities departments at four-year colleges and universities creates a certain, you know, sort of disconnect between what we see in these big numbers and what's what's happening in this sector of the uh, of higher ed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course, how how that will change after this year, I guess, will be uh, yeah. the next the next question. Well, and to what extent this current pandemic and the, all of the changes that it's bringing about are going to be permanent, or if they're going to be sort of short and medium-term changes, you know. We're all trying to figure that out, I suspect. When do you think the next departmental survey is going to be conducted? Do you think we're going to do this again? Do you expect to uncover different results? And interestingly, how do you think this COVID situation might influence the outcome of that next survey, assuming you do it in the next five years? Well, I mean, I think, so, so, I mean, there's, it's sort of a complex question because I've already talked to Mellon about planning to do another one in five years. Mm-hmm. But I mean, as a result of all this and some of these conversations I've been having, I'm actually thinking maybe I should do a pared down version of the survey, looking back maybe at this year or, or maybe next year or next mm-hmm. fall, just to get a, to, to come back and see how these benchmarks have changed a number of these things. I mean, like how much hiring is going on, mm-hmm. since that's one of the questions we ask, and what change there's been in the take up of online education and what's done to enrollments. I think those three things are really something I'd love to be able to really get a sense on. Because, I mean, by all accounts, we're seeing some really dramatic changes. And I think uh, given that we've got kind of a benchmark, it'd be really useful to see how that benchmark might be changing on on some of these key metrics. So Yeah, I agree. So it'll either be, we'll either be back in a year or so, or we'll be looking four years, five years down, down the road to doing the next survey. Well, on behalf of all of us at NCA and in the communication discipline, we're so thankful <laughs> that you've included communication in this departmental survey process over the last, I guess, eight years, nine years, and the last two surveys. And I want to thank you again, Rob, for joining me today. And listeners, I want to encourage you all to look at the humanities indicators at humanitiesindicators.org. I also encourage you to visit the NCA website, natcom.org. We often will distill and or publicize much of the data that Rob and his colleagues are coming up with over at Humanities Indicators and putting those into reports or other forms of data about the discipline. So that includes data about general information on programs, outcomes for doctoral students, a whole lot more. But thanks again, Rob, for joining us on Communication Matters. 
Thanks so much, Trevor. It's great to talk to you. All right. Listeners, thanks again for joining us on Communication Matters, the NCA podcast. In NCA news, NCA has compiled some new resources related to the COVID-19 pandemic. NCA's online learning resources page now includes a sampling of free-to-access NCA journal articles that are related to communication amidst crises and disasters. You can visit natcom.org slash online hyphen teaching. That's natcom.org slash online hyphen teaching to read these articles. And visit NCA's YouTube page to view a playlist on COVID-19 resources, such as a National Humanities Alliance video aimed at discussing the recently passed CARES Act and the benefits of that act for humanities organizations. Also in NCA news, as a reminder, beginning on June 1st, the CritNet listserv will no longer be active. Current CritNet subscribers and all other interested parties can sign up for and contribute to NCA's new email blast, ComNotes. NCA members will automatically receive ComNotes, and anybody else can subscribe today at natcom.org slash comnotes hyphen subscription. To subscribe, again, check natcom.org slash comnotes hyphen subscription. Finally, NCA would like to recognize the work of all of our communication graduates. We know that the unprecedented events of the last few months have shaped your college experiences in ways that you never thought possible. And so we congratulate you on completing your degrees and wish you all the best in your future endeavors. Listeners, I hope you'll tune in for the June 11th episode of Communication Matters, which will focus on a Journal of Applied Communication Research special forum about food insecurity. Professors Megan K. Schradley and Marianne LaGreco will join the podcast to discuss research on communication and food insecurity, including the unique forum that began as a Facebook conversation and that appears in the Journal of Applied Communication Research. The challenges facing scholars and practitioners working in this area, and the possibilities for future research about food insecurity. I hope you'll tune in for this insightful conversation on June 11th. Be sure to engage with us on social media by liking us on Facebook, following NCA on Twitter and Instagram, and watching us on YouTube. And before you go, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to listen in as we discuss emerging scholarship, established theory, and new applications, all exploring just how much communication matters in our classrooms, in our communities, and in our world. See you next time. Communication Matters is hosted by NCA Executive Director Trevor Perry Giles and is recorded in our national office in downtown Washington, D.C., the podcast is recorded and produced by Assistant Director for Digital Strategies, Chelsea Bowes, with writing support from Director of External Affairs and Publications, Wendy Fernando, and Content Development Specialist, Grace Hebert. Thank you for listening. <laughs>